Eight things to make easier for your podcast audience. Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 247. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning how-to podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. You can find this episode and many others at theaudacitytopodcast.com. I've been doing a series about making things easier and faster and such, and I want to focus away from us as the podcasters... Still, this does apply to you, but not making it easier for us, but making it easier for our audiences. Discovery really isn't the biggest problem that we face in podcasting in order to make podcasts grow and to grow your own audience with your podcast. Yes, we think, oh, we want to get discovered, but that's not really what's preventing people from subscribing or from consuming podcasts. More and more, it's that people don't know how to subscribe, or it's about how easy it is or is not for people to consume your podcast, subscribe to your podcast, and such. So that's why I want to help you make your podcast easy, easy for your audience or potential audience. And I have eight tips to help you make your podcast easier for your audience. Number one, make it easier to play so that they can listen to your podcast. Number two, make it easier to hear so that they'll be able to hear what you're saying and consume your content. That is, even if you're doing video, they're primarily listening to what you communicate. Number three, make it easier to subscribe so you can get those people subscribed to the podcast and get every episode automatically. Number four, make it easier to contact, whether that be sending you feedback, contacting you for business or anything else like that. Number five, make it easier to share. The biggest thing that will help you grow your podcast is when people are sharing your podcast with others. Number six, make it easier to support, whether you're selling things or asking for direct support from your audience. Number seven, make it easier to engage with your content through comments, through discussions, through anything like that. Also, feedback. And number eight, make it easier to find so that people can discover your podcast. But it is at the bottom of this list because discovery is not really the problem we truly face. It's usability. So I'm going to go through these in more detail. And if you'd like to follow along, the show notes are at theaudacitypodcast.com slash easier. That's the show notes for episode 247. So number one, make it easier to play. I created the mantra that I reinforce, and I think this is what we need to focus on for simplicity. And if you can do nothing else, this is the one thing you need to get right. These others are very important, but focus on this one first is make it easy to play your episodes. And the mantra I have for this is visit website, press play. That's how easy it needs to be for people to start consuming your podcast, whether it's audio or video, visit website, press play. That way you're not telling them go to iTunes and they say, what's an iTunes or load this app on your phone. And they say, I have a flip phone or you say, well, search the podcast app for this and subscribe. And they say, I don't have a podcast app. Just send them to your website. 
visit website, press play. It needs to be that easy. And this is really a twofold process. You could do this manually by yourself, but there are very easy ways to have this done for you with the right choices in this twofold process. One is get a good WordPress theme, or if you'd like to create one yourself, that's good. And the design is very important for this because the player needs to be prominent. It needs to be very obvious that this is a podcast and that people should be listening to it. This is why I really like the appendipity themes for WordPress because they're designed for podcasters and they make the player very prominent so that it can be as easy as visit website, press play. And if you want a link to appendipity, I've got that in the show notes for this episode, number 247 at com slash easier. The other aspect of this, making it easier to play, is to get a good podcast player. This is what you would have on your website so that it is as easy as visit website, press play. There are many different players that you could have. First of all, avoid anything that's Flash-based. Yes, there might be a Flash fallback, but HTML5 and JavaScript should be higher in the priority. Blueberry PowerPress, a free plugin for WordPress, does include a great player with it, and you do have some ability to customize that player if you know how to work with CSS and a little bit of PHP and some of the coding in the back end of WordPress. But there are other premium plugins for WordPress that give you a much nicer looking player, and you simply have to enable the plugin, and then you can tweak things in it, like simply selecting the color or saying what images or buttons that you want to display. Those two plugins that you could consider would be Simple Podcast Press or Smart Podcast Player. And I have links to both of those in the show notes for this episode, number 247. Now, by the way, if you want to purchase Simple Podcast Press, make sure you use the promo code NOODLE because that will save you 25% on your purchase of Simple Podcast Press. And that promo code does not expire. So sometimes that promo code is even better than sales that you may see going on for Simple Podcast Press. But I also have a link there to Smart Podcast Player. Simple Podcast Press is by Hannah Mora, and Smart Podcast Player is by Pat Flynn's company. When you would want to use one or the other, or what advice I'd give for choosing is if you really like having a PowerPress-focused workflow and you've already done everything in PowerPress then I recommend you look at Simple Podcast Press because that integrates seamlessly with PowerPress and you don't have to redo all of your past posts. It does look really good and it I think it has the most functions of any player out there because you can make it integrate with your email newsletter list, you can make timestamps, you can do all kinds of really cool things with Simple Podcast Press. And what's most important here for making it easier to play is that it's a good-looking player that can have more focus on it than a single small little image or a button or a link on your site. Smart Podcast Player, I think, is a more beautiful player and has some neat features built into it as well, but it's a little bit more cumbersome, at least as of 2015. It doesn't integrate with PowerPress, so if you want to use Smart Podcast Player, you have to go back and change all of your past posts, or you could use the playlist feature inside of a Smart Podcast Player. But look at these two options if you'd like to upgrade your player on your website and choose which one you think works best for you and which one you like the best. But the most important thing here is to make it as easy for people to visit website, press play. So you tell them, if you want to get my podcast, visit myawesomepodcast.com, 
and the play button will be right there on the page. They don't have to hunt around for it. They don't have to click through into posts, but it's as easy as visit website, press play. So yes, make sure your players are visible on the front page or that there is a player of some sort. That's why I like the Appendipity themes. Smart Podcast Player has a great feature that can allow you to do that. Simple Podcast Press looks like a great player and it stands out more than the default players in other plugins. You can accomplish this same basic thing if you have CSS skills, website design skills, computer hacking skills, nunchuck fighting skills, and all of that stuff. You could accomplish this, but... If you don't want to spend the time, like I've decided more recently, I don't want to spend the time messing with this stuff, then look at Appendipity, look at Simple Podcast Press or Smart Podcast Player, and these things can work with each other and can be used in conjunction with each other too. So this is number one, make it easier to play. Number two, make it easier to hear. I think the biggest, quote, sin, unquote, for amateur podcasters that they commit is publishing bad audio. Yes, there are bad content problems out there as well, and some people might say that's an even bigger sin, but the easier sin to fix really is bad audio. And the kind of bad audio I'm talking about is when it's just downright poor audio quality, like there are distortions, there's reverb in the room, a lot of echo off the walls and such, there's background noise, stuff like that. It could be bad volume levels, like maybe the hosts are different volume levels and you can hear one really well, but you can't hear the other too well. Or maybe the episode is too loud or it's too quiet compared to the other episodes you listen to. Maybe their background audio is too loud. I hear people do this a lot where they play background music while they're podcasting and please don't get into playing copyrighted stuff in the background. That is a crime. Don't do that, please, unless you have written permission or you've licensed that music in some way. But they'll often play this background music, and it's not really background music, it's foreground music, and they'll be talking over it, and you can't hear them, you can't hear the music. It could also be some other aspect of their soundtrack is too loud or too quiet, like they're playing a clip from a movie or a music clip, and that's too loud compared to the rest of their voice, or it's too quiet. And that could be with anything, bumpers, sound effects they play, anything like that. Another aspect of bad audio is unskilled microphone technique. They could be talking off microphone, and what I mean by that is they turn their head away from the microphone like I'm about to demonstrate right here as I'm talking now with the microphone pointing at my mouth, but now I just turned away from the microphone and you can't hear my voice as much because I turned over. That's a common thing that people will do when they're not very skilled behind the microphone. They haven't learned how to pivot around the microphone like I'm doing right now, which is why you're hearing the dynamic of my voice change a little bit, but the volume is still staying fairly consistent. It could also be that they're bumping the microphone or bumping something that's attached to the microphone, like the microphone stand or the desk, or they're pounding on the keyboard and the microphone is sitting on the desk that the keyboard is on, that kind of stuff that makes for bad audio and a lot of distracting things in the audio that's recorded by the microphone. It could also be how they conduct themselves in the podcast with a lot of crosstalk, a lot of interrupting each other, a lot of making noise themselves while someone else is talking, making it harder for the audience to hear what they're supposed to hear. So this is why this is point number two, make it easier to hear. Better equipment isn't always the solution. I've seen plenty of people who have paid hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars on their podcasting equipment, and they get horrible audio quality. 
And it's not the equipment's fault. They have great equipment. The problem is a lack of knowledge or skill. And knowledge and skill are truly powerful here. That's what can help you use cheap equipment nicely. And a lack of knowledge and skill can make you use really good equipment very poorly. The simplest way that you can discover the audio problems that you have or might have is to listen. Listen while you're recording. And I do recommend that all of your participants in your podcast be wearing headphones so that they can hear things. They can hear if they bump the microphone. They can hear if they sniffle or if they cough and the microphone picks that up. They can hear themselves on the microphone to know whether they're on mic or off mic and if they need to get closer to the microphone, anything like that. They can hear those kinds of things while they're being recorded. The other thing you should listen to is listen while you edit. Don't always edit based on how things look. Base your editing on how things sound. You may look at two audio clips and they look like they're different volume levels. But when you listen to them, you can hear a difference in their volume. And that can go back to how was it recorded? What quality was it recorded in? What's the frequency range that the audio is in? That kind of stuff. So make sure you listen. Don't edit visually unless it's stuff like you know there's a silence here. You can edit that out and you can see that. But listen in your editing and listen so that you know what needs to be edited or what doesn't need to be edited. You could also use a certain measuring tool like a phonic or maybe your audio editing software has something built in that does help you know the true volume of your separate clips. This is something that Hindenburg Journalist or especially Hindenburg Journalist Pro does really well that makes it great for editing spoken word content is that when you drag a clip into Hindenburg, it automatically brings that clip to the right volume level. So all of your clips are instantly raised or lowered to the right volume level. And then you have a consistent volume level across all of them. You can do that with other software too, but the process may be a little bit more manual or slightly different. The third way you need to listen is listen in the environments your audience might be in. That could be in the car, doing chores, working at an office, working with loud machinery, mowing the yard, anything like that. And some problems might not be problems in those environments. Other things could become problems in those environments. Like, have you ever tried listening to audio, broadcasting it via some little FM broadcaster inside the car? If you do that, you'll discover that certain things like uh, sibilant sounds, like the S's, can be a lot more piercing inside of the car because of the nature of the FM uh, broadcast signal and how much you have to boost it in the car. Or if your audio is too quiet then when you listen to it in the car, you have to turn the car volume all the way up. And then that introduces hiss, not because of your recording, but because the speakers are being amplified and they're introducing the hiss. So make sure your volume levels are a good level. Make it easy to hear. Aphonic can do a lot of this audio cleanup for you, and that's A-U-P-H-O-N-I-C, and I have a link to that in the show notes for this episode, number 247, at com slash easier. And even though you can use Aphonic and some other tools and software to clean up your audio for you, and they can often do amazing jobs, it's always best to get clean audio when you record instead of having to clean it up afterward. And 
just in case you're thinking about this, I hope you're not, but just in case you're wondering, please never publish audio with voices separated between left and right channels. It's okay if you record it that way for multi-track effects and such. I made a video about that recently in Podcaster Society, teaching them how to do cool multi-track recording, regardless of what equipment you're working with. But don't publish it that way. It can't even be okay for special effects, like in audio dramas, where you want someone to be coming in from one side, but don't let them stay in that side. Use it for only special effects. If you look at the major productions out there, TV, movies, and such, listen closely and you'll notice that almost always the voices are straight in the center, not in the left or right only, but straight centered, unless it's a special effect where you need to be able to hear someone coming from a different direction. But for spoken word, regular podcast content, always make sure the voices are centered. You can do that with mono, or if you're publishing in stereo file format, make sure the voice is centered there. That will make it easy to hear Because some people listen to podcasts with only one earbud or one headphone on. And if your voices are split between left and right, they might not hear what they need to. And there are other weird things that can happen too. uh, If you are doing weird stereo splits and depending on the equipment that someone is using. So this is number two, make it easier to hear. Number three, make it easier to subscribe. We've always been in a multi-platform world. So this is nothing new. And you may notice that one particular platform dominates podcast consumption right now. And it has been for several years that the iTunes ecosystem, that's desktop iTunes, as well as the podcast app in iOS, and maybe a podcast app someday on Android, maybe. But the iTunes ecosystem has dominated podcast consumption I do sometimes wonder if that's because that's where we send everyone and that's why it dominates or if that's simply that iTunes makes it easier for people to consume or iTunes is the most popular. There can be all kinds of theories to explain why, but that may not always be the case. It's important to have other options for people to subscribe as well. Commonly, if you tell people that you have a podcast years ago, people would say something like, I don't have an iPod. Today, they might say something like, I don't have an iPhone, I have an Android phone. And there's nothing that has to separate it like that. So I recommend that when it comes to making it easier to subscribe to your podcast, that you not tell your audience to find you anywhere, especially if you haven't focused on search engine optimization for your podcast, because your search engine optimization may not be there. Or let's say that, and I know there is a case of this in iTunes, but let's say your podcast name is The Podcast Podcast. Are you going to ask people to search for The Podcast Podcast in iTunes? If you do, then most likely all of the other podcasts will show up before yours. So don't ask people to find you or to search for you. Make it easier than that. Even if you can be easily found with a search, that could change in the future. So don't tell people to search for you. Give them a link. I recommend the best way to do this is to point them to your website, which, by the way, is the true home for your podcast, the platform for your podcast on the internet. Then let that website 
point them on to the right place to subscribe. Sure, in your podcast, you could say subscribe in iTunes or subscribe on Android or subscribe on Stitcher, but you don't have to overload them with all of those separate links. And you don't have to say, find us in iTunes, find us on Stitcher, find us in Android, find us here, find us there. Just say, go to myawesomepodcast.com and click on the subscribe button for your platform. There are different ways that you can make that even easier as well. One of those is I created a WordPress plugin called Social Subscribe and Follow Icons to help make this easier for your audience. Instead of trying to find separate iTunes buttons and Android buttons and Stitcher buttons and whatever buttons you want to put on your site, my plugin for WordPress, Social Subscribe and Follow Icons, gives you these icons that you can turn into buttons or you can have them be icons with links, but you can put them anywhere on your site, in widgets, in your content, in your theme if you want to, if you want to get into the PHP or if you have special widget areas and such. This is what I use across all of Noodle Mix Network, and there are hundreds of other podcasters using this plugin as well to make it easier for their audience to subscribe. And put those links on your main page. Also put them into your individual show notes pages. And you might even want to consider making a subscribe page on your site that shows them in more detail how to subscribe to your podcast. And that can make it much easier for your audience to subscribe because some people may think, I'd really like to subscribe, but I have no idea how to subscribe. I don't even know what podcast app to use. Now, those links that you use can also be easier for your audience too. The default link that you get from iTunes loads the web page to your podcast from the iTunes directory. Then the visitor has to then click another button that says view in iTunes, and then they click subscribe. But if instead you use the iTunes link maker, which I have an affiliate link for in the show notes for this episode, that gives you a special link that launches the podcast directly in iTunes or the podcast app. You can accomplish the same thing by making sure that your podcast URL has ampersand ls equals one and also ampersand mt equals two. That stands for launch store, one means yes, and mt stands for media type, and two is podcast. That ensures that it's interpreted properly by the mobile app as well as the desktop and such, or you can use the link maker that I provided in the show notes for this episode, number 247, and it can generate those links for you. So that makes it one fewer clicks that your audience or potential audience needs to do in order to subscribe or to review you, even if you're asking for reviews. And I'll mention reviews in a moment. For the Android side, though, I recommend subscribeonandroid.com. I have a link to that in the show notes. This gives you a very similar link. It's a one-click subscription link that now supports a whole variety of podcast apps. And this can be something that you link to from your website, or maybe you tell people in your podcast. Like I can tell you the audacitypodcast.com slash Android will launch a podcast app. If you have this Android podcast app, it launches it and allows you to subscribe very easily to my podcast. Or if you don't have one of these standard podcast apps, like, for example, Podcast Addict or Player FM, Podkicker, Pocket Cast, and several other podcatchers over there, then it will suggest one of these apps for you to subscribe in that support this free and paid apps. So you don't have to think it's only for paid apps But this is becoming a great standard that's supported in more and more devices. And eventually, when the Google Play Music directory is published, which will probably be in early 2016, 
that might give you another link that you'd want to consider putting onto your site. And I'll certainly support that with social subscribe and follow icons to make it easier for your audience to subscribe. And that's point number three, make it easier to subscribe. Number four, make it easier to contact. I know people are often concerned about their privacy and about getting too much spam and such, but don't put the burden of protecting yourself from these spams and privacy concerns. Don't put that burden on your audience. You carry that burden. I recommend having at least the following three options for people to contact you and that these are easy on your website. Number one, email address. This could be something like feedback at myawesomepodcast.com or contact at myawesomepodcast.com. I think feedback is a pretty nice, pretty easy one, or it could be contact. It's up to you. But try not to get too weird on it, like uh, podcast feedback at mypodcast.com or anything like that. But you could make that address simply forward to your Gmail account. And it will always look a lot more professional than myawesomepodcast at gmail.com. Eh. And then Gmail has great spam protection built in, or maybe you're forwarding it to some other address and platform that you use for your email that has built-in spam protection. As for putting that email address on your website, you probably know what's coming if you've been listening to me for a while, but please, for the love of everything on the internet, please do not write your email address like feedback, bracket, at, bracket, your domain, bracket, D-O-T, bracket, Calm. Don't do that, please. When you do that, you're basically telling your audience, I don't care how hard it is for you to contact me. I'm more concerned about protecting myself from spam. So I'm making it very hard for you, even though you're a human who probably wanted to contact me earlier. I'm making it very hard for you to contact me because I don't want to risk that I might get a single piece of spam. Really, I think it's only a matter of time before the spam bots figure this kind of convoluted way of posting your email address. Instead of doing that, I recommend that you use some kind of plugin or script that will encrypt your email address so it can look like plain text and even be clickable to humans visiting your website, but it's scrambled and encrypted so that bots won't be able to read it. Some great plugins for WordPress that do this are, at this time, Email Encoder Bundle, Email Address Encoder, and CryptX. I've got links to these in the show notes for episode 247 at com slash easier. So have your email address on your site. Make it easier for people to contact you. Second kind of contact method I recommend is a contact form. Some people don't like using their email program for quick contact, or maybe they haven't set up their default email program properly, and so when they click on an email address, it takes them to the wrong program or some really weird thing happens. So have a contact form. Barack Obama, a president of the United States, got onto Mark Maron's podcast because someone from the president's staff used a contact form on Mark Maron's website. If that contact form wasn't there, then the president may never have been on Mark Maron's podcast. So put a contact form on your site. It doesn't have to be complicated and certainly don't make it complicated for your audience. Simply ask them their name, their email address, maybe a subject line, and then the message they want to send. Make it as easy as possible. 
You can make contact forms fairly easily with a plugin like Jetpack, which is free, or the plugin that's one of my favorite WordPress plugins that can do all kinds of amazing and really cool things is Gravity Forms. And it's a great plugin for making any kind of form and has all kinds of really cool advanced customization options. If you have ever paid me for something within the last few years, you've probably used a Gravity Form on my website because that's one way that I can accept secure payments. But if you've contacted me through any of my websites using the contact form, that's been a Gravity Form as well. And I have links to those options in the show notes for this episode number 247. Third thing to consider putting on your website is a phone number. This could be a direct-to-voicemail number, and I do recommend that it be a direct-to-voicemail phone number because you might get calls at all times of the day. And if you don't have your phone's do not disturb set up or anything like that, you might get a call in the middle of the night or some weird thing or other strange things could be happening. So make this phone number something that sends them directly to voicemail right away and give them a nice greeting so they know what they're calling. And it's your choice if you want to allow them to leave their phone number or email address for you to call them back. But for doing this very easily, I recommend Google Voice or Call 8, and I have links to those in the show notes as well. There are plenty of other ways that you could get feedback from your audience or make it uh, easy for people to contact you through your website, and I do have a separate episode where I talk about all of those. Link to that, of course, is in the show notes. But these three, your email address, a contact form, and a phone number, I think are the most important things. And the emphasis here is however you're implementing these on your site, make it easy for people to contact you with these methods. That's number four, make it easier to contact. Number five, make it easier to share. Podcast reviews are nice. And I did create mypodcastreviews.com, which is a service that gathers and sends you all of your podcast reviews from all 155 iTunes stores, Stitcher, Pod Directory, and more to come. And it can do that automatically for you. So certainly, podcast reviews can be great. They can be really encouraging. I appreciate podcast reviews. I'll thank someone for their podcast review in a little bit. And you can sign up for that service at mypodcastreviews.com. But podcast reviews are not the way to grow your podcast. The best way to get people to help you grow your podcast is to ask them to, first of all, subscribe if they're not already subscribed, but also to share your podcast. Most people find another podcast by hearing it recommended via word of mouth. So make it easier for your podcast to be shared with others. So think about it. How easy is it for you to share your podcast yourself or the podcast that you listen to? Is it easy to tweet it? Is it easy to share it on Facebook or Reddit or Google Plus or Pinterest or any social network like that? This is easier to do with a WordPress plugin because there are many little ways to implement sharing buttons and such. And some WordPress themes like those from Appendipity do have social sharing built in. And I've tried many social sharing plugins for WordPress and I've bounced around between different ones and I've kind of dealt with certain issues here and there and just put up with certain annoyances or slowdowns or lack of support for a particular network or lack of responsiveness or all kinds of weirdnesses. But recently I found a plugin and it is a premium plugin. It does cost, but I think it is totally worth it. And this is one of my favorite plugins. Certainly I mentioned this before in my new and noteworthy plugins for 2015. 
Social Warfare. I use this now on all of my sites. It's a beautiful social sharing plugin that has all kinds of great features on it. Like if you go to the audacitypodcast.com slash easier, the show notes for this episode, and you click on that tweet button, you get a tweet that I customized and it includes a photo, a link. I can do that kind of stuff with Social Warfare. And there are buttons for several other social networks too. And they look great. They work great. I really like Social Warfare. It does cost, and at this time, I don't have a promo code. If I ever do have a promo code, it might be something like Noodle. But I don't have a promo code at this time. But I do have a link to Social Warfare in the show notes for this episode, an affiliate link that if you purchase, it does help me. I really like this plugin. I did buy it myself. I didn't ask for a review copy or anything like that, but I very happily bought it. I was about to buy a different plugin named after a butterfly, but then I discovered Social Warfare and I was amazed at how much better that plugin seemed. So it makes it much easier for me to make it easy for you to share each episode. And if you don't have WordPress, you're using some other CMS or something, a content management system, then consider something like Share This or Shareholic, which can integrate with non-WordPress websites. But this is number five, make it easier to share and consider Instead of asking your audience to rate and review you in iTunes, ask them to share. Share the episode. Share the podcast. You could tell them, go to the show notes for this episode and give them that URL. Make it an easy URL, by the way, like theaudacitypodcast.com slash easier. And ask them, please click on the sharing buttons. Share it on Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Reddit, whatever your favorite social network is. Please share the episode. And I'm asking you too. I will ask you right here as an example. If this has helped you and this helps you to improve your podcast in any way, would you please share this episode with your followers? Go to the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash easier and click on the share buttons for your favorite social networks. And I would really appreciate that because it's by word of mouth that this podcast grows. Thank you very much for sharing this episode and subscribing if you're not already subscribed. That's how you could ask your audience and make it easy for them to share. That's number five. Number six, make it easier to support. You might be trying to make money with your podcast or even simply trying to cover your expenses for your podcast. So you could be selling something or you could be asking for direct support from your audience. Whatever is the case, make it as easy as possible for your audience. I generally recommend that whatever way that you implement this, that it stays on your website and you have full control, full branding, all of that over the entire experience. That way people aren't sent off to another website or another branding or something like that. But it can sometimes take months to learn how to do that, to develop it. It could be expensive to do something like that. So if you don't have those skills or the time to make that yourself, then there are great third-party tools that can help you do that, like Patreon, Gumroad, Shopify, many other tools like that that can save you a lot of time. And it would be much better for you to use a third-party tool and get this kind of thing going for your show than to spend months trying to get the perfect tool yourself developed. Now, there can be reasons to do one or the other. I've more recently decided to move away from my own tools that I've developed and security certificates and forms and all of that kind of stuff to third-party tools because the third-party tools make it so much easier for me that I don't have to spend a lot of time 
focused on fixing something, supporting new platforms, ensuring the security and all of that stuff. I leave that to a different tool so I can focus on making the content, promoting the content and all of that. Do remember also that the technology can change. It could change at any time. You might change technologies. So I recommend that whatever tool you're using, that you keep the proper name out of your promotion, out of your calls to action. Instead, point your audience to a standard place where the technology doesn't matter. And that could be something in your show notes. It could be a page on your website. For example, for my Once Upon a Time podcast over at oncepodcast.com, I say something like this. Please support the podcast by visiting oncepodcast.com slash hero. Now you could have something like myawesomepodcast.com slash sponsor or slash support, or you could say something like make a monthly contribution or monthly pledge. That's better because I'm sending them to a place I own. So if I ever change the technology or tool I use, it doesn't matter because my calls to action still point to my place. I could simply forward that to whatever other platform I wanted to, or I could make a page on my site. That's better than saying, please support our podcast on Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash one's podcast. I'm not saying that Patreon is bad, but a practical example is Joyride in 2015 was purchased by Google and then shut down. So any of those calls to action where you might have said, please visit myawesomepodcast.com slash joyride or please visit joyride.com slash myawesomepodcast, any of those calls to action are now invalid and you're pointing them to the wrong place. It's much better to point them to a place you own where the technology doesn't matter. You then point them to the right place from there. Even if it's simply a URL that forwards to Patreon or whatever tool you're using to raise support for your podcast or selling something, make it easy for people to get to. Make it as easy as possible for them to take action on that thing. Like if you're selling something, try to remove all barriers from purchasing. That could be stuff that's distracting people from completing their purchase or little complications or problems that are preventing them from completing their purchase. Like maybe you're asking for too much information on the checkout form. Do you really need their address? Do you really need all of this other contact information, their website or anything like that? You could ask for that later on in an email follow-up, like some kind of autoresponder sequence. Try to make your forms, any kind of forms really, but especially purchasing forms, make those as simple as possible. And also consider supporting the payment technologies that your audience might be most interested in. When I initially launched Podcaster Society at podcastersociety.com, it was available for credit card payment only. Then I started supporting PayPal on the last, I think, last 24 hours of the first launch because there were some people who said, I'd love to join, but I only pay for things on the internet with PayPal. So I enabled PayPal and several people have chosen to use PayPal instead of using their credit cards. The same thing with my podcast reviews. From the beginning, it supported both PayPal and secure credit card payment. And people use both. And some people prefer one or the other for security reasons, for simplicity, for convenience, whatever reasons. If you're trying to sell something, make it easy for them too. I know it's very easy to get a PayPal button on your site, but have you considered what if you could accept credit card payments too? That can mean all kinds of other complications on your site. That might be where you decide to use a tool like Patreon or something else that allows you to accept credit card payments through some third-party tool 
and simplifying then what you do and most importantly, making it easier for your audience to support you. That's number six. Number seven, make it easier to engage. If you accept engagement with your podcast, I know some podcasters don't or they don't accept it in easy ways. I recommend that you make it as easy as possible for people to engage with comments. Yes, I do recommend that you enable comments on your site or on your YouTube or anything like that, wherever you're publishing your content. Discuss is a great plugin that can help you reduce or completely eliminate spam on your site. And most importantly here, make it easier for your audience to engage. Don't require your audience to create an account on your website in order to comment. Maybe don't even require them to create an account on some other third-party tool that you're using. But make it where they could log in with Twitter or Facebook, or they could simply enter their name and email address when they're commenting. Make it easier for them to engage with the content. There are cool things that you could do even with stuff like tweets or emails that you want, certain ways that you can pre-populate that message to say, this is the subject line, here's the body content, you just fill in the rest of this, or this tweet is pre-populated, send this and add your question to the end of this. So make it easier to engage. Number eight, make it easier to find. Like I said earlier, never tell people to find your podcast or to find anything of yours. Give them as direct of a link as possible or send them to somewhere that has those other links. Like I can tell you, instead of giving you separate URLs for all of these tools I've mentioned, I simply tell you, visit the show notes for episode 247 at com slash easier. That's where you go then to click on the links to other places. So I'm not telling you find this other thing or here's this other link for you to try and remember on top of the other dozen links I might have mentioned. But give them a direct link for your important things or give them a kind of a dumping ground link for everything else. That dumping ground could be your show notes. It could be your main website for your podcast. It could be a particular link for your calls to action or anything else. Certainly include these things in your single URL that you refer to, such as your show notes. So even your subscribe links, you could say, please subscribe to the podcast and you'll find those links at theaudacitypodcast.com slash easier. And that's true. You will find them. They're universal links like in my sidebar and my header. And I do have links in my show notes as well. But that's an easy place you can go to. So it's easier to find that stuff that you might need. The same thing with what you put in your show notes. Make it easy for people to find that stuff in your show notes. Don't bury it somewhere inside lots of text and change the coloring of the hyperlinks and that kind of thing. Make it easy for people to find. I do recommend that you let the URLs and hyperlinks in your show notes be underlined and be a different color from the rest of your text. Blue is a pretty universal color. Underlining is a very universal technique for hyperlinks, so it's very easy for people to quickly see here are all of the hyperlinks on this page. Don't put in a straight URL. Don't put in simply click here or something like that. You could say click here to do this thing or click here to access this, but click here should be saved for only those really important things like click here to join my email list or click here to subscribe to the podcast, but not for every single resource that you mention. Another aspect of making it easier to find is 
when someone does want to search for something on your site, and there are plenty of times when this will be the case, make sure that your on-site search works well. One way to make your site search work better is by writing good show notes and using keywords inside of your WordPress post because those keywords do help tie information together with relevance and such. But I really like the premium WordPress plugin Search WP. It does cost, so do keep that in mind, but this gives you a lot more control over how your search works. Like you could make separate search fields for particular areas of your site. I don't necessarily recommend that, but there could be reasons to do that. Like maybe you need a search field for your forums that doesn't search the posts on your site, or maybe it's vice versa. You want a search field on your site that searches all of your posts and pages, but not searches your forums or anything like that. Search WP is really powerful and does help organize the search results much better and make the search results much more relevant, faster, more accurate. I do really like Search WP, and I have a link to that in the show notes. And also, as part of making it easier to find is, yes, do make your podcast as a whole easier for people to find when they're searching for the kind of stuff that you talk about. Keep in mind, I'm not telling you to tell your audience to search for you or to find you or Google you or search for you in iTunes or anything like that. But search engine optimization is important. That's why I made a complete course, SEO for Podcasters, and I have a link to that in the show notes. That complete course goes through what search engine optimization is and what ethical search engine optimization techniques you could employ and what gives you good quality results so you don't have to worry about algorithm updates and such because you're not hacking the system. You're doing something ethical. You're putting quality content out there. And it's not only about being found by search engines. It's about being found by humans who want the kind of content that you offer. That's what search engine optimization is really all about. It's about optimizing your content for humans who use search engines so that humans can find your content. For example, I show up very highly in searches for how to podcast or certain things about podcasting, it's because of the SEO techniques I've implemented. And I do train you on those techniques inside of SEO for Podcasters, my complete course there. But because of the content I've put out there, people do find the podcast and subscribe to the podcast because they realize, oh, there's some good stuff here. Hey, this is exactly what I was looking for. I want to subscribe to this guy because this was really helpful. Even just recently, I was doing some searches on YouTube for iPhone cases because I got a new iPhone. I needed a case for my iPhone and I was doing some searches on YouTube and one particular channel kept coming up and I decided I want to subscribe to this because this is some helpful stuff. I'd like to be able to know what kind of case is best and be able to keep up with which cases work well and which don't. And that way I can recommend the right case as more and more of my friends and family are getting iOS devices, iPhones, iPod touches, iPads and such. So I want to be equipped in this. And it's also just a little bit entertaining to watch someone drop balls on their phone or drop their phone from 10 feet in the air onto concrete or throw it in snow or dip it in water and all kinds of crazy stuff like that. So there's that entertaining and helpful stuff there in those. But I found that because of his search engine optimization and because it was relevant to me. His content was easy to find. So this is number eight, make it easier to find. 
These eight things to make easier for your podcast are, number one, make it easier to play. Number two, make it easier to hear. Number three, make it easier to subscribe. Number four, make it easier to contact. Number five, make it easier to share. Number six, make it easier to support. Number seven, make it easier to engage. And number eight, make it easier to find. If you want the links that I mentioned and other resources, please visit the show notes for episode 247 at theaudacitypodcast.com slash easier. And I would love to hear from you in a comment there in the show notes. What do you wish other podcasters would do that would make it easier for you? Is there something I left off this list that you think should be included? Or is there something in particular? Please don't name the podcast you have problems with, but do let us know what is it that you would love to see made easier for you as a consumer of another podcast, something that the podcaster actually has influence over. I know some of the podcast apps aren't always that easy, but as podcasters, we often don't have all that much influence over how those apps work. So please comment on the show notes for this episode at theaudacitypodcast.com slash easier. I mentioned podcast reviews earlier, and I have someone to thank in this episode, and that is Stan Zeman from the United States said, I've listened to five or six shows in the last few days, and I've learned many things that will help me with my existing podcast and with a new one that I'm starting soon. He's able to articulate concepts clearly and can break things down so that even the novice podcaster can learn a great deal here. Highly recommended. Thank you very much for those kind iTunes reviews. If you'd like to leave a review for the podcast, then please visit the show notes, theaudacitypodcast.com slash easier. And there's a link there as well as how to get your own international podcast reviews emailed to you automatically. Now is a great time to keep an eye out for podcasting deals. So if you'd like to get instant deal alerts, go to the show notes for this episode and click to join my special email list for instant deal alerts or at theaudacitypodcast.com slash deals. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from theaudacitypodcast.com. Thank you for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcasts.com.